0: Thanks, Rick. Morning, everyone. Uh, My name's JP. I'm part of the the staff team here. And um, I'm just aware that this weekend, um, there's large numbers of people uh, moving to Nottingham. It might be that you're a student at one of the universities here or a young professional just starting off uh, in a a new role here. Just want to give you a massive welcome. uh, It is God's favorite city. Uh, That's official. And um, I really trust that you'll have a very blessed time um, in your your years here. Um, but this morning, we've um, the exciting privilege of um, kicking off a, a new series. Um, it's uh, in the book of the Bible called 1 Corinthians. Uh, so named because it's a, a letter to the church in Corinth um, at the time. And uh, Corinth is a city that you can find in uh, uh, in Greece. Um, and written by a guy called Paul, who was sort of leader in the early church. Uh, we're just looking at chapters twelve to fourteen of that letter, so we're jumping in um, right in the midst of it. Um, but that particular section in the letter is talking about how there are gifts or talents or abilities, if you like, um, that are given to us by God uh, to help build the church to help uh, extend the kingdom of God. And um, I suppose that the question that that sort of airs itself is, well, why are we doing a series um, on the gifts um, of the Holy Spirit? Um, And um, some years ago here, we had quite a a dramatic move of the Holy Spirit amongst us where um, our our meetings just, uh, all of a sudden, it was like the spiritual temperature just turned right up and a very tangible sense uh, of God's presence amongst us. Uh, We saw some people uh, become Christians in that. We saw some people who'd not been in church for a long time uh, come back uh, in the midst of that. Um, We saw people being set free from all sorts of strongholds in their life and uh, genuinely begin to uh, live in their identity as sons and daughters of the living God. Uh, We even saw a commissioning to church plant come out of that. Our church in Birmingham, King's Church, uh, came uh, out uh, as a result of that. And if you hear Steve tell the story of how they got going, um, it very much uh, gets mentioned. And quite simply, we're hungry for more. We're hungry for more of God to uh, see him, to encounter him, to be uh, like him. And um, at the moment, it seems very much uh, that there is a prophetic word over us as a church. So something we feel God is saying to us through uh, weighing and kind of chatting around at different contributions that come in meetings like this and prayer gatherings, etc where it seems like our father is beckoning us to greater intimacy uh, with him. That's why we call prayer and fasting deeper. Um, it seems very much like we are to be like a child climbing onto the lap of their father, uh, resting our head against his chest and hearing his heartbeats. And uh, that, that's, that's what we feel God's saying to us. And if genuinely we are to be a church, a, 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 a thriving disciple-making community that um, does reach and reflect every corner of this city that we love so dearly, With the kingdom of God. And if we're to plant churches from here, quite simply, we must be open to the leading and the prompting and the empowering of the Holy Spirit and the gifts that He gives to us. So that's why we want to go after it. Um, If we look in the Bible as to how we do that, um, the the nice simple uh, encouragement from Scripture is that we come as we are wholeheartedly. We use the gifts that God has given us, and then we watch our faithful father fulfill his promises as his kingdom extends in this city. And so I suppose in looking at this series, our question is, what does it mean to be open to the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to be open to the Holy Spirit? But for these Corinthians that Paul was writing to, the context was a little bit different. Possibly a broadly similar question, but a a different context. It was a a very metropolitan, multicultural city that um, really valued the accumulation of knowledge so as to sound very wise. So lots of them would go and hear um, speakers on street corners talk about all sorts of subjects so they could glean lots of knowledge and then sound very wise to their friends around them. It was very highly prized, knowledge and wisdom. And um, the the church culture of the day had started to see these things of of gleaning knowledge and sounding wise as the route to to spirituality. They they knew that there was a spiritual side to life. They just kind of got a funny way of looking at it, a a funny way of getting there. And um, it might be actually that you have similar questions of of knowing that life's more than just what we see. That there is a spiritual side to life, and perhaps your question is, how do I get there? What is it? And what Paul will be saying to these Corinthians is that having Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, the master of your life, the one who has total authority and claim on your life, is the biggest answer to that question the most fulfilling way of knowing this spiritual side of life is fulfilled in Jesus Christ transforming your life. So I'm going to kick off with first part of chapter 12 today. Uh, It's going to come up on the screen. If if you do have a Bible, then do turn there, uh, just reading verses 1 to 11. Uh, We call this message Eager for the Gifts, and um, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. So let's go. Here's what he says. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers... The varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then he begins to list the gifts. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Let's just pray together. Father, we ask that you would impart and deposit something to us this morning, Lord. We want to, as your word says, eagerly desire these gifts because we know that in so doing, we find the giver himself so good to us, so gracious to us. Lord, we want to see more of you this morning. We want to see your kingdom come and your will be done in this city, Lord, that your name might be made famous all across the world. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So there are gifts given by God to you, if you would call yourself a Christian, To help build the church, encourage the church, and fulfill his mission here. And Paul's got some things to say about them. So, the first one is that the the gifts are important in church life. This is what verse 1 says Concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be uninformed. It's an interesting challenge, isn't it? I wonder how much you feel in your Christian walk. Do you feel informed about the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Because a couple of chapters later, he kind of ups the ante, and he encourages us to eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Some translations, earnestly desire. I wonder what it is that you are eagerly desiring. Maybe it's an end to everybody finally talking about Brexit. You're like, I just want it over. I am a Stoke City fan. Up till yesterday, we were bottom of the league. We have not won a game. I am eagerly desiring a victory. Maybe I should be praying more for it. We're praying Forest on Friday. We'll see what happens. You can give me this stick next week. We're to eagerly desire these things. Well, why? Well, Paul says here that these gifts, they strengthen the church. So just in verse seven that we read, each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So think about gifts of healing, for instance. God using people to bring about physical and mental uh, sicknesses and illnesses to, uh, to being healed, that people might walk in the freedom that God has for them. They strengthen the church in power as it shares its message about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. These gifts, they strengthen the, the church in that they can change the dynamic of a meeting. You know, we've been in meetings where suddenly someone will uh, pray out in tongues or sing out in tongues, just like Austin did in our worship time. Someone else will interpret it, and suddenly, something in the presence and power of God just seems like so tangibly in the room. These gifts, they can strengthen the church in clarity. So think about the gift of wisdom. So that was the first one that was in the list. All the others we're going to talk about at other points uh, over the next um, six or seven weeks. But this gift of wisdom is the, the first one. This gets tacked onto today. And um, it, you could define it something like this. The gift of wisdom is the providing of clarity and understanding in a situation that brings a sense of God's will and counsel. Now, you might have seen all sorts of different kind of areas in, in church life where this operates. But in the meetings that, um, that, that I'm involved in, Um, A person that comes to mind, um, very much so in thinking about this gift of wisdom, cue embarrassing moments, is Emily Topless down here. Emily's one of the the senior leaders in Grace Church. She oversees all sorts of different areas. She's married to Ben, who leads the church. And what happens is that in meetings, quite often, Emily is not striving to say the most wise thing in the room. But when she comments, things just seem to land Time and time again, we've been talking about an issue, and God, what's your heart for this situation? And, and her comment will just seem to make sense of it, just seem to kind of open it up. I often remember what Emily says in meetings because I found it so helpful. Maybe for you, it's, it's in your serving team briefing, where someone's just able to articulate something of, of what God's doing or, or your role for the morning. It just lands, it just makes sense of it. It brings a clarity. Maybe it's in your home group. You know, As you're talking around an issue, you're studying the Bible together and someone just makes a comment that, that people just remember from the night because it's so helpful. It's not just an accumulation of wisdom. It's not just someone who can kind of explain the context of every book in the Bible, anything like that. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit to bring clarity, to bring wisdom and counsel. You see, these things, they build up the church. We are all the better for the gift of wisdom operating to varying levels in different people amongst us. So they strengthen the church. But do you know that the gifts are a witness to the world around us as well. And a couple of chapters later, Paul describes an experience, which it might even be your experience this morning when Austin prayed out of coming into a room and hearing someone pray out in the gift of tongues. So a language that we don't understand but someone that interprets to give the general sense of what was said. And as that tongue is prayed out, you're intrigued. You think, what is that? I want to know more. It happened in our home group. There's a a, a guy who came along for the first time, and um, I just, as we were worshiping together, I I really felt the Holy Spirit wanted me to uh, speak out in tongues, and so just gave a short explanation of what was about to happen, how someone would interpret it, uh, just for his benefit. And um, afterwards, he came to me and said, what was that? What was that language that you prayed out in? And it opened up all sorts of conversations about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, about the spiritual side to life. And for the last year or so, I've been chatting things over with him about the gospel. Think about the gift of prophecy, or a revelation of God's heart for a person. Now, I know a story of a couple of guys in the church who were praying together and worshiping and they wanted to go out into the city center and so they asked God, would you speak to us about where we're to go and who we're to speak to? And they felt that they should go to uh, what used to be the Hard Rock Cafe, it became Trapiros. Um, it's just by the Brian Clough statue on the corner. Anyone know what it's called? No? Just by the. Alchemist, there we go. It used to be the Hard Rock Cafe. And um, so they, they felt called cool to go there and to the person that they saw behind the bar say, God sees you. Okay? So they, off they went and just being obedient, in they went and um, kind of went up and saw this girl behind the counter and uh, behind the bar and said, listen, this is going to sound a little bit strange, but. Um, we Christians, we've just been praying and we felt God wanted us to come here and to say to you, God sees you. And there was a pause. And, and this girl started to get really quite choked up. Because the night before, she had cried out to God and said, God, if you're real, would you send someone? Send someone to show me. God sees you. And just to complete the story, she started coming along to, to church and, and was around for about a month or so and seemed to be taking steps in, in her faith in trusting Jesus. And, and then very confusingly, we never saw her again. Hey, God, what were you about in that situation? And yet then, a year or so later, one of those guys who'd been involved in that was hearing a family member tell a story of someone who'd been working in a bar in Nottingham who had seen two Christians come into the bar who testified to one of his colleagues, God sees you, who'd seen that the night before she had asked God, if you're there, send someone, and was so overwhelmed by this powerful encounter that his colleague was having, it caused him to ask all sorts of questions himself, and he's now walking with the Lord. You know, these gifts are a witness to the world around us. That's why we eagerly desire them. There are um, sections of the the worldwide church that we love and cherish so dearly, who um, maybe would be less keen on these sorts of things. And um, we want to honor them. So, so many of our brothers and sisters, they, they just absolutely love the Bible. They, they love Jesus. And, and yet maybe on the things of the, the gifts of the Spirit, are a bit more sort of no thanks. But, um, I, I, but it's worth commenting that, us eagerly desiring the gifts of the Spirit is not just a preference; it's not just the kind of oh, we like the feeling of it. Like we, we do it because we believe that is what the book says, you know. And so our conversations with our, our brothers and sisters become about kind of what does the Bible say about the gifts of the Spirit? I, I passionately believe that we are charismatic; that is, we use the gifts of the Spirit because we are evangelical; that is, we believe what it says in the book. You talk about church being kind of in touch with culture. I want Grace Church to be really out of date. I want it to be 2,000 years out of date. I want it to be what the New Testament church was like. Because in the book, it says that we're to eagerly desire the gifts. And so in love, we must be live to some of the questions that come from our brothers and sisters who also love the Lord about these things. And perhaps one of the biggest questions is the question of misuse of the gifts. You know, we've all been in meetings, haven't we, where something is done in the name of a charismatic gift, and it's just a bit weird, Do you know? I remember being 14 years old, and um, being in a room with about 15, 20 people or so, um, with someone who was a fairly senior figure in, uh, in a church movement. Um, this is back in Stoke, where I'm from. And um, he, he wanted to prophesy of me, which I was very excited about, and he kind of got me at the front, just a small gathering, and pulled this other random guy who was there out. Um, I was 14, he was a youth worker in some church somewhere, and um, got us to stand what I considered to be uncomfortably close to each other, facing one another, and then asked us to kind of stare like eye to eye, kind of into his eyes, and prophesied about some great friendship that was going to come from this thing, and you know, I just felt uncomfortable, and it just felt a bit weird. And um, we, we, we tried to meet up, but it didn't happen, and I was 14, and he was a youth worker, so it's kind of going to be weird anyway. But um, that's a very low-level example. The, the sad thing is that there will be some in the room today who've had things done in the name of the spirit gifts that have really, really hurt you. Maybe prophecies about births, marriages, deaths that just haven't come to pass and, and it's really hurt you and that's why we say that when, when you're looking to grow in the gift of prophecy don't, don't go to the areas unless you are incredibly gifted and that, that gifting is attested to by others, don't, don't go in those sorts of territory, you go to that home group leader or go through a leader in the church because for some who have suffered those kinds of things, it's important that you know that what you've heard may well have been completely wrong and done not as the book says, which says that we're to do these things in love. And I just want to encourage you that if this kind of strikes a chord with you, please chat to someone. We would love to talk to you. We'd love to pray with you. Jesus is our healer, and he can heal the hurts that have come from the past. But it's important also to say that the answer to misuse is not disuse but proper use the answer to confusion is not exclusion but its clarity and you know charismatics and we are a charismatic church so we have to live with this label as well that we're not always very good at explaining well from scripture why we're doing what we're doing and yet this is our authority paul says i don't want you to be uninformed That's why these things are important. We've got to be informed about what the word says so that we can live fully in all that he's got for us. Because the other end of the scale might be true too. You might absolutely love the gifts of the spirit and all that's done in worship. My encouragement to you would be, do you have a biblical basis? Do you know and can articulate a biblical basis for what you're doing? And I don't say that in any sense of condemnation but simply because I genuinely believe that your experience of God will be enriched by living in and within the confines of all that he has laid out in the word of God. So are the gifts important to you? Are you eagerly desiring the gifts? Are you hungry for more? They're important in church life. But Paul says something else too. He says that the gifts also are indicative of Jesus' lordship. Now, there's a couple of verses kind of early on in the passage, which on first reading are a little bit more confusing. And Eric, I just wonder if we get verse 3 up on the screen. That would be really helpful. Thank you. So here's what it says. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So kind of what he's saying is clear but why he's saying it seems a little bit confusing. Well theologians debate about this but it could be that these Corinthians in their hyper spirituality are getting into some sort of ecstatic frenzy where they're starting to say all sorts of wappy things. And uh, you know we've all seen it when people get a little bit excited and then say things that they don't mean. You know we've we've all been there. It could be that it could be that actually the, the translation of the, of the verse is, is better Jesus grants a curse. And, what, and, and no one can say that by the Holy Spirit. Um, and what's going on is that people are becoming Christians and then asking Jesus to curse other people. You know, if they didn't pay the bills on time or whatever. And the whole point is that when we're filled with the Spirit, we now build one another up. We build others up. But whatever the point is, whatever the explanation is, it is so important that we don't miss his main point here, which is that the true test of spirituality, the way that we know that a person is a Christian, is that the Holy Spirit whom they have received leads their thoughts and their words and their actions to say Jesus is Lord in an ever-increasing way. And then he goes on to show how the gifts of the Spirit do this. So he says, you know, you guys, you think that's spiritual gifts. Pneumaticos is the Greek word. Almost kind of things that you gleaned yourself because you're so spiritual. You think, look at me, I'm articulating this gift. Paul changes the word. It's not pneumaticos. He says they're charismata, grace gifts. That's where we get the word charismatic from. Hey guys, when you use these gifts, when God works through you, it is entirely a work of grace. It's not a reward, it's grace. It's the unmerited favor of God. And that means that when we see one another working in the gifts, we can be thankful we need not be competitive. These things are grace gifts, and that shows the lordship of Christ that he is giving these gifts to us freely and wonderfully. Paul says as well that there is a, a demonstration of the Lordship of Jesus in that we need no longer think just about ourselves, which without Jesus is our tendency to do. For he said, No, you can be about the mutual building up of the body. He says in verse 7 to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So we don't need to be thinking, Did I meet with Jesus in the worship time today? Oh no, I'm a bit disappointed, I didn't. But the question, did the church encounter Christ? Was the church reminded of who Jesus was? was the, were the gifts of the Spirit used? Was Jesus proclaimed in the room? That's a work of grace that we can think like that. It's a work of grace. And that's why we say that when we encourage contributions... We are not saying, are you feeling so overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit, so please speak out whatever he's doing in you. And otherwise, please, no thanks. No, not at all. We're saying, have you seen something of God? Is God doing something with you, a fresh revelation of who he is? In all your years of being a Christian, do you know something of who God is? If so, please bring it that the body might be built up. And after prayer after prayer after prayer and song and tongue and interpretation around the room, together the church is built up. That that is happening in a diverse group of people shows that Jesus is Lord, that he can unite us together. Amen, amen. And yet the wonderful thing for all of that is that he meets with us individually anyway because he's a good, good father. And so Paul's point here is that being a Christian should lead to a demonstration of the Lordship of Christ in every area of our lives. And I want to ask you this morning, if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, Jesus Christ wants to be Lord of your life, wants to be master of every area of your life. He's given himself for you, that you might know fullness of life. And if you would call yourself a Christian, Jesus Christ wants to be Lord of every area of your life. What about our sexual purity? Is Jesus Lord over it? What about our comments on social media? What about our bank balance? Is Jesus Lord over our busyness? Over what goes into our bodies? Because people who say that Jesus is Lord are quick to repent because the Holy Spirit comes and brings conviction and then reminds us once again that at the cross, Jesus Christ took upon himself our every sin, our every mistake, our every transgression. He wiped our slate clean and presents us blameless and holy before the Father. Mm-hmm. Jesus is Lord. And finally, so the gifts are important in church life. They're indicative of Jesus' Lordship but they're individually apportioned. And um, right at the end of the, uh, the passage that we read, uh, we saw a, a list of all sorts of, of gifts being articulated. Um, it's not an exhaustive uh, list. There are other places in Scripture where other gifts um, are referred to. Um, but as you read it, you could be forgiven for sort of the, the, the kind of question coming up in yourself of, well, which ones do I have? Or which ones can I have? And you sort of go through with kind of tick, cross, etc. But most, if not all, of the, of the gifts that are listed in this passage, the Bible indicates that there, there is a base level at which every Christian can operate. It even says in verse 6, there's varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So take the gift of wisdom that we talked about, for instance. You may or may not feel that you move in the gift of wisdom, But we are all called to have the wisdom of Scripture in how we live our lives. The gift of discernment was talked about. You might feel particularly discerning in the things of the Spirit, but all of us are called to know that if we go and engage with a cultic activity, that is tremendously bad in our spiritual life. Like it's just just a base level of discernment. We are all called to do the work of an evangelist in the Scriptures. And yet some, by the grace of God, will have an evangelistic gifting, a particular gift that helps catch the church up in the grand purposes of the gospel going global. Even tongues. And Paul says in, in chapter 14, verse 5, he, he says that now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. And we mustn't miss his his main point there. We'll talk about that in the coming weeks. Like don't get obsessed with tongues, go for prophecy. It's intelligible. People know what's going on unless the tongue's interpreted. But in the book of Acts, when people come to, come to Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit, so often they then speak in tongues. It seems to be w- without exception to person, apart from one instance where they prophesy. And sometimes people can get um, caught up a little bit in what it says at, at, at the end of, of chapter 12 as to, to whether, kind of, can I speak in tongues as a Christian? And, and it's, it says this. It, it starts off by saying, are all apostles? And clearly the answer is meant to be no. And yet we are all sent. We might not all have that kind of pioneering creative spirit, but we are all sent people. That's what apostle means. Are all prophets? Or we might might or might not feel that we have a particular prophetic gifting, but we are all sheep of the great shepherds who have the privilege of hearing his voice. Are all teachers? Do all have a teaching gift? Well, no, but the Bible tells us to teach one another. You see, the base level. Do all work miracles? If I did a show of hands, how many miracles have you seen in your life? I'm not sure how many hands that go up. And yet we all pray for situations to change, and when they do, it is utterly miraculous. It said, do all possess gifts of healing? Well, no, not to the extent of some people But Jesus commissioned his disciples to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to proclaim proclaim the gospel all across the earth. He's a base level that we can all move in. Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Well, we must take those questions in the same line of thinking of everything that has gone before, which is there might be people who have particular gifts, who pray out in meetings and just that sense of the spirit comes. But that base level to which every time a person in the scriptures receives the Holy Spirit, apart from that one where they prophesy, they speak in tongues. I want to encourage you, if you've never spoken in tongues before, I absolutely believe that God has this as a gift for you, to help you. And pastorally, what we've found is that often the reason why people have never done that is they've never been led through it. They've never been taught on it. And as regards that question, talking about church context. So in a church meeting, did everyone prophesy? Did everyone speak in tongues? Did everyone do miracles and everyone do gifts of healing? Well, no, there's not time for all of that. But did some? Yes. Because our Father is a good, good Father who gives good gifts to his children. But there are different levels to which people operate in these gifts. And God has made each of us uniquely. Hallelujah. I am very pleased that everybody does not have a stoky accent. Come on. <laughs> Hallelujah. You were made on purpose for purpose. There is a calling on your life. There is gifting on your life, which is a different mix than someone else. I am so thankful for the different gift mixes that operate in Grace Church. I'm in a meeting in the week called the strategy team, which is four of us. So Ben and Lisa Church, Emily I referred to earlier, Chris, who was on guitar here. And um, uh, sometimes in those meetings, we'll kind of touch on something. It's mainly sort of bigger picture topics, but occasionally it touches on sort of how does a room look and feel and what are sort of plans for design going forward and what have you. And uh, once or twice, we've got onto the, the kind of the territory of interior design. Now, in spite of watching Interior Design Masterclass, I have zero gifting in interior design. And so Ben and Emily and Chris are great. I mean, they can kind of chat things around and there's things. It sounds to me like they're speaking in tongues, to be honest. I don't understand what they're talking about. But just once in a while, just to be kind, they'll ask me what I think. And not only do I not really know... I don't really care either. And so I'll try and find something to sound wise and contribute. But thankfully, we've worked together enough as a team to know, guys, I just totally trust you. Go with it. I'm so thankful that there are different gift mixes that operate. Because the biblical commission over the church is that we are to enlarge the place of our tent. And under the tent, the canopy of the tent, there is space for you to thrive in your gifting. I I thank God for prophetic voices that have spoken powerfully and wonderfully into the life of this church in years gone. Some absolute astronomical things. Tell you all sorts of stories, but we must get to a response time. So come and ask me after if you want. I am so thankful for gifts of healing that operate and and things that I read where I'm so, so challenged to go after the gift of healing myself for these faith-building examples of people in wheelchairs getting up, of hearing being restored, of, of sight being restored, incredible examples. Thank you, God, you gift your church in that way. But what are the giftings that you excel in particularly? And it's really important that you ask this question because Jesus has given them to you to serve his church. Maybe it'd be in the serving role that you have. Maybe it's a gifting in just your attitude or the example that you carry as being part of the church. Maybe it's during worship, some of the contributions. Some of you might want a little bit of help discovering it. We we run a three-week course called Discover Your Gifting. It's three Wednesday evenings. It starts on Wednesday, the sixteenth of October, so not very far away. You can sign up for that by speaking to the Connect team or visiting our, our website. But here's what's important. And Father, let something be imparted as I share this. In this series, there is a moment for us as a church for individuals to step into new giftings, for people to step into greater measure of already existing giftings, for old giftings to be reawakened. You know, maybe you used to sing songs in the Holy Spirit in worship time and you haven't done that for some months. People gave you some encouragement, but for whatever reason, it it just hasn't happened. Maybe as we go through this series, God wants to relight something once again. Maybe you were a passionate evangelist. Maybe you sought the prophetic, or maybe you kept asking God to give you wisdom in situations. Folks, God wants to do something in us as a church. This isn't just information. This is impartation. Just imagine if our worship times were so full, of not just a variety of voices, but a variety of gifts. That we just captured something new of who Jesus was every single time. That the presence and power of God was so tangibly present. Imagine if our culture as a church was fueled for evangelism. And there were those who were leading the way and seeking words of knowledge and using healing gifts out on the street. Imagine the blessing to our city that would be. Imagine our prayer and fasting week in just a couple of weeks' time at the start of October where we just lay open the agenda. We've got Tuesday nights, the worship night, Wednesday and Thursday, literally no agenda other than to pray and seek God. Imagine, for the sake of the body, I will bring my gift. And as we open ourselves up to him, who knows what God will do in this wonderful invitation to intimacy that is over us. Because isn't that what we want? Isn't that what a thriving, disciple-making community truly looks like? Isn't that what the early church looked like? Because as we obey Scripture's commands to eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, the best thing of all is that we encounter the giver who freely gives to us. Let's stand together.